watch a movie, I like to get comfortable, even if I'm in a boot. I like to, you know, maybe sit in a nice recliner, get a snack, have a drink, and really just jump into the story. This month, we're in a series called At the Movies. We've even provided popcorn for you to jump in and listen to the story and how it relates to God's Word. And these last few weeks, we've been going through different movies. Uh, Chris Molnar, one of our elders, did a great job, you know, talking through the first week. He sang through a little bit of The Greatest Showman and did a fantastic job with that. I will not be singing with you this morning. And then the next week, he talked about The Matrix. And he related these movies to some minor characters in the Bible. And if you missed, love for you to jump online and take a look at those uh, this week. Just catch up to where we've been because he did a fantastic job. For me, I chose a movie that comes from one of my favorite film studios, Pixar. And you see, for Pixar, it started a few years back when they all really got going. Uh, I was in high school really watching some of these movies like Toy Story or A Bug's Life. Heimlich, he really hooked me. Take a look. This is Heimlich as a pretty butterfly. I just love that scene at the end of that movie. He did a great job. And I've enjoyed every movie that Pixar has produced ever since. And that didn't change this past Christmas with the movie Soul. Now, at first, I'm watching Soul, and I'm feeling a little hesitant. Like, "Mm, should I really go see this? Because I knew they were going to deal with death and afterlife. But Pixar challenges us in only a way that they can to look at life in the midst of death. The movie Soul follows the life, as you've seen in the trailer, of Joe Gardner, who's a music teacher trying to become a jazz pianist. Joe's life is centered on just one thing, becoming a professional jazz musician and performing in front of thousands of people. He wanted to be in front of people showing off his his skills, his purpose in life. And one day, he gets the call that he's been waiting for. One of his old students introduces him to a famous jazz musician. Let's go ahead and take a look at that scene right now. There he is. Hey, Curly. Leon skipping town really put us in a bind, man. I'll bet. Glad you made it. My boy Bishop said he uh, sat in with you on a set last year in Brooklyn. Said you were great. Well, (laughs) you don't have a bar coffee shop. band teacher, Mr. Gardner. Call me Joe, Dorothea. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, Miss Williams. Uh, it's a pleasure. Wow, this is amazing. Uh, Joe is Ray Gardner, sir. So, we're down to middle school band teachers now. Get on up here, teach. We ain't got all day. Now, from that, you would think, man, this is not going to go well for Joe. But, He impresses Dorothea in the audition, and he finally gets his big break. And it is an excitement because, you know, when we get our big break or something major happens, we hit a milestone, maybe we learn that we're going to have a child, a grandchild, we 
somebody graduates, we get a new job, whatever it is, we want to let everybody know. And Joe, in his excitement, is letting everyone know. He's on the phone, not paying attention to his surroundings. And because of that, he takes an unfortunate fall, which cast him into the afterlife. And this is where things took a turn for Joe. He gets a chance to interact with a new soul in what they called the great before. And that soul is named 22. Now, soul number 22, we get to see throughout the movie, having no desire at all to get to earth. Doesn't want to live, doesn't want to find her spark, her, what they call her spark, which is her passion. And Joe is trying to get back to earth, to his body, because he knows, man, if I can get back, I can perform that night. They eventually get to a point where he convinces her to go, and they come up with a plan to get Joe back on earth to give him a chance to live that one dream. The only problem, when they come back, 22 ends up in Joe's body, and Joe ends up in the body of a cat as like a sidekick to 22. And now as the cat, he has to help his body through number 22 get ready for that performance that evening. There's twists, there's turns in the story, and in the end, Joe gets to realize his dream, but it isn't all that he thought it would be after all. See, Joe Gardner's life was all about playing out what he thought was his purpose, his meaning, why he was created. He devoted his energy into getting famous and playing on the big stage. He finally gets a chance to do that and realized it's much different than he thought it would be. Let's go ahead and take a look and see how it plays out after he performs. Welcome to the quartet, Teach. Gotta get to bed. We old. <laughs> you play a hundred shows and one of them's killer. You don't get many like tonight. Yeah. So, uh, what happens next? We come back tomorrow night and do it all again. What's wrong, Teach? It's just I've been waiting on this day for my entire life. It's I thought I'd feel different. See, instead of getting satisfaction he thought he'd get, he realizes that, man, I made a difference in the life of somebody else. And this wasn't all as great as I thought it would be. And I helped this other person experience life because Joe poured into her and allowed her to find meaning in life. And I know this was a pretty quick rundown of a really good movie, but I think it's going to help us paint this picture of what it is like in our life sometimes. See, some of us, from when we're little until we get much later in life, we're trying to figure out, why am I here? You know, what's my life purpose? What was I created for? Now, as a young child... Typically, when we ask this question and start dreaming, we dream about the big things that maybe we can be. We think, man, I could be an astronaut. I could be a firefighter. I could be an actor, musician. You know, I could be an athlete, something famous, maybe a teacher, whatever it is. And as we get older, we look at ways 
we can make differences and do something big to maybe get our name known. Today, it seems easier and easier with social media to be able to try and do that. You know, you can make a YouTube channel. You can do a dance on TikTok, and I'm hoping next week Dwayne will do that for us in our last movie. Whatever it is, we can easily do exactly what Joe was doing in the movie Soul and try to find our purpose in life. And this isn't much different than the life of the people in the Bible. See, oftentimes we look at the Bible and we think, man, the people in the Bible, their life was different than ours. It was probably simpler than ours, right? They didn't have to deal with the same problems that you and I deal with. And in some ways, there's truth to that. But in a lot of ways, things weren't much different. Ecclesiastes was written by one of the wisest people to ever live. And he talks about life this way. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning to, on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome. More than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has done, been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, Look, there's something new. It was already here, long ago, and it was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. Wow. A bleak outtake on life. You know, what is the purpose and meaning of life? Why are we here if it isn't about following our passions? See, God gave us passions. That's probably what we're supposed to do with our life, right? That's what we're supposed to pursue. As you see from Ecclesiastes, which is written you know, thousands upon thousands of years ago, when we pursue our own toils, it leads us nowhere. Eventually, Solomon gets some understanding, and he later writes in 3.14 this, I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that men will revere him. So how is it that Solomon is able to focus on this and understand this so clearly? He lived a life that drifted. It changed his focus from worshiping, glorifying God with everything to one that was about himself and accumulating everything. Like Joe and Saul, we see that life really isn't about us and what God has in store for us. God isn't about making you and I famous so we can get the glory. No, it's about giving God the glory and making him famous among all the nations. Sometimes that takes a lifetime to understand or even just make a small change in our lives to make it reality. My hope is that through the wisdom of Solomon and others in our lives, we will start living that way early and make it a reality sooner. In the book of Acts, we read about a character 
that many people probably aren't going to remember, but he had a profound impact on the life of Paul. See, before he was Paul, he was Saul. And Saul, as many of us remember, was on a mission to stop people from hearing about Jesus. Throwing people in jail, getting people killed, whatever it took. And in the book of Acts, we read about his journey and how when he was on one of those journeys, he was confronted by Jesus himself and shown the error of his ways. And this led him to an interaction with a man named Ananias. And there's a bunch of Ananiases in the book of Acts even. There's a popular name. But this Ananias we're talking about was Ananias of Damascus. See, after Saul was confronted on the road to Damascus, he was temporarily blinded. And he was told by Jesus to wait for a disciple named Ananias. At the same time, Ananias is having this vision from God and is told, go, put your hands on Saul's eyes, and you're going to restore his vision. Now, we know Ananias is a disciple already. He's following Jesus. Things are going good for him. He's comfortable, sitting back, relaxing, interacting with people, telling them about Jesus in his circle. He isn't in a bad spot yet. He doesn't want to rock the boat, and all of a sudden, things start to change dramatically for him. In Acts 19, 9, sorry, 13, we read, Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man, all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with the authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. So here we got Ananias, again, living a life that seemed comfortable. Everything's going pretty decent. He's hearing about people that are confronted by Saul. And now Jesus is asking him to go interact with Saul. He's getting a little worried about that. He doesn't think that's going to go so well. And it sounds like Joe's life in the movie Saul. See, Ananias in Damascus, he's there just hanging out, quietly leading. He has a chance to make a huge impact. But he has to make a choice. Do I give away the comfortable life I'm living? the convenience that I have right here where, I'm, where I know everything is going to go well. The security I have and a chance to help others and give God the glory. Or do I shy away and say, you know, not me, God. No, take her. Take him. Somebody else. Don't take me. I'm passionate about myself, not about others. And Ananias tried that. But God had other plans in, say, in, in, in store. And this is what he says in Acts 9, 15. Go! Okay, I think right there, that might be enough to come in some, okay, I probably need to go do that. But God doesn't stop there. He continues. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. You see, God, he isn't about our comfort. Not about our glory, our interest. No, he's about his name getting known among all the nations. He's about his glory. When Ananias gets on board, he changes his perspective. Big things happen. And Saul, his vision is restored. He's baptized that day. And his life changes to that of Paul. Paul who spreads the word of God everywhere. And it's all possible because one man decided to change his ordinary life, look beyond himself, and change his attitude. 
do something that gave God the glory in all things. Recently, I had an opportunity to take Impact's high school students to a Christ in Youth conference and hear a man named Mark Christian teach. And one of these classes that he taught was about our calling in life. And that seemed like a great idea, especially when you're in high school. You're like, what's my calling? What am I supposed to do? And so when I went there, I was listening to what he was talking about. And what he proposed was something I thought would be very helpful for us this morning. He said, there are four popular ways that we interact with God. And then one correct posture. See, the first way that we interact with God is that we live our life under God. See, this is where we get to control God by our obedience. We think about this as something about morality. You know, we're we're thinking, okay, we can do good. We follow the rules. Went to church. Check that one. You know, served in the service. Gave a little bit of money. Help my neighbor across the street, whatever it might be. And we're checking the boxes and say, we're good followers. If that's good enough, right, God? We should be able to go to heaven. This is not about faith or giving God glory. It's more about us and how we do a good job with the rules. The second way is that we live our life over God. We replace God's desires for us with what we think is better. Yeah, God, okay, we understand, but what if we do it our way? This is a little bit better. You know, you gave us these passions. Let's just do them. We're going to be more comfortable this way. This is what we see as best. God gave us those desires and passions, so let's see and use them for what we see as best right now. We add more and more to what God asks of us for our own wants. The next way is that we live our life from God, away from him. We use God to control the outcome in a sense. It's all about just being a good moral person. It's more important than anything to do with God. How can we make it more about us and control what happens in the end? It's away from God. And another popular way to interact with God is to live our life for God. And this one, this this feels right, you know? It feels like, yeah, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be living for God in all I do. But what happens is we start to find significance in God, in that knowing we're living for him. And it's not about him at all. It's about what we do for God. It's not about giving him the glory or honor in our lives, but about what we did for the kingdom, focusing in on like our part of it, not on God. We think the mission of God is more important than our relationship with God and giving him honor and glory in our own lives. And often when it comes to a story in the Bible, we put ourselves as the main character. You know, there might be some minor characters that are involved, but we don't care about them. That's definitely not us. We're the main character. Why do we do that? We see what we want to get out of the story for ourselves and think about our lives as the most important. We don't see ourselves as the sacrifice for God, his kingdom, and his glory. It's about us. And the final way, the one that we're truly called to live, is that we live a life with God. And this, as Mark said, is our true posture. God called us to live with him and glorify him in all we do. The greatest commandment, which Jesus was questioned about, comes from Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, 37. And it says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. 
love your neighbor as yourself. See, in doing this, we're giving him glory in all we do, in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls, and we're dedicated to a life with him, not about us. We then put it into practice by sharing that love with our neighbor. See, we're called to go and be the church, pointing people toward him, and not sitting back in a comfortable seat waiting to see how things are going to turn out for us. We need to shift from this me theology to centering around everything around us to a for him approach. Jesus saved us from our sins and death, but that wasn't the end of it all. We were not at the finish line when we make a decision to follow him with our lives. We don't get delivered to heaven when we're baptized and surrender our lives to God. We're called to serve and worship can give God glory in all things moving forward. Now, I've said this word glory a lot. And what does that word really mean? This is something that we hear a lot of times around Christmas. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, man, we're talking about Christmas. It's the middle of the summer. We should be thinking, going to the beach, having fun there. Well, I'm here to tell you, if you go to the mall right around the corner from here, they're having a whole Christmas in July spectacular. And you can go lots of places and see that, a whole month long thing. And the reason I'm talking about Christmas is that around that time, a lot of the songs we sing and the things we hear about is about glory and giving God the glory. You know, we hear stories and talking about a light shining upon baby Jesus in a manger, and we think of that being the glory of God. See, here's the thing. When we talk about glory, we're saying we want to give God his significance, his importance in everything. He's the creator and sustainer of all things, the most important of all times. The psalmist says it this way in Psalm 96. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He's to be feared above all gods for all the gods of the nations are idols but the lord made the heavens splendor and majesty are before him strength and glory are in his sanctuary ascribe to the lord all you families of nations ascribe to the lord glory and strength ascribe to the lord the glory to his name bring an offering and come into his courts worship the lord in splendor of his holiness, tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord. For he comes, he comes to judge the earth. Wow. A powerful way to give God his significance, his glory. And we want to give God glory and make his name famous across our neighborhoods, our world. So others will do the same and give him glory as well. See, you and I, we were made to worship God. All humans were made to worship. And we're able to help others here across the world about the glory of God. Impact. We're here to worship God and give him glory in all things. Our goal in life 
is to make him famous here in Moon Township, in Pittsburgh, in Pennsylvania, throughout the world. I don't know where you are today. Maybe you're like Joe at the beginning of the movie Soul, living out your passion for yourself, for your own glory. Maybe you're on a pursuit to make yourself you know, famous, something of yourself. You know, be known, have prestige, be respected. That's tendencies of us as humans. It's a tendency that I have to fight sometimes. But know this, chasing after self, it's a fruitless effort. See, Solomon, which we read about just a little bit ago, he says this towards the end of Ecclesiastes. He's concluding his sayings. And this is what he says in 12:18. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything isn't meaningless. Now, that sounds similar to how he started. And it brings us back full circle because it brings some satisfaction, but it's temporary and fleeting. And if you want something more for your life, if you feel starved for something greater than yourself, pursue the glory of God. This is what you and I were made for. Solomon, just a couple verses later, concludes Ecclesiastes saying, Now all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. And maybe you've moved past that. And you're moving and living sometimes for God. But like a lot of our stories, we fail at times. We forget. And today, maybe this is a reminder to you to give it all to him and to live with God and not for ourselves. Now, today, if you're with us and you're even with us online and you've never surrendered your life to Christ, I would pray that today you make that decision. If you're online, you can do that by online. There's a button you can click on that says, hey, I'm interested in baptism. Click on that button that you see in the chat and someone's going to be in contact with you. Or, you know, if you're here with us in person and you want to make that decision, on the back of your Connect cards, which are in the seats in front of you, fill it out and say, hey, I want to learn more about giving my life over to Jesus. Or go to the back in our Impact on Five booth. And one of our leaders, you could talk to them about what does it mean to give it to him, to give him glory in your life. Go, talk about, say, I want to give you the importance that you deserve. Saying, I can't do this on my own. I can only do it through your strength. And then I can point others towards you with my life. Don't let today go by without doing that if you haven't yet. See, my hope today is that Impact will be a church that is on mission with God. Giving him the glory that he deserves in all we do. And Paul in Ephesians gives us a great way to understand that mission. Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is in work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Wow. That's an awesome way to remember See, Soul is a great movie that shows the main character, Joe, turn his ordinary life to extraordinary life by changing the focus from self to others. He changes his attitude, and he's transformed. Let's take a look and see how things ended for Joe towards the end of this movie. Check out this clip. 
after reflecting on life, and at the end, Joe, he realizes the impact he had and can continue to have when not focusing in on self. His story going forward, it changes. And he ultimately sacrifices his desires, his life, for Soul 22. And ultimately gets a second chance back at life because of it. Our lives can be the same way. If we change the focus from ourselves, again, our comfort and our desires, to giving God the glory in all things and making him known among all the nations, we need to love our neighbors as ourselves and show God the glory through that. So what steps are you going to take today to make a change in your own desires, in your own wants, in your own comforts, and point people towards Jesus and give him the glory. Let's be the church that God has called us and go and be. Let's pray. God, we come to you right now thanking you for the wisdom of Solomon, for the people of the Bible, for the stories you've created in our lives to all point us towards you in our life. And to make you famous among all the nations, we thank you for opportunities that we get through your son to come back to life with you, Lord. And we just pray right now that we won't focus on ourselves, that our purpose in life is to give you the glory in everything we do, Lord, so that you will be famous, so that you will be known among everyone, and then everyone will have a chance to give you the glory you deserve. We pray today that our lives will be a sacrifice for your name. It's in your son's name we pray, amen.